something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truthiest life Hello, Truthiest Life fam. It's your host, Lisa Ham, And I gotta say thank you because of all of you, I get the opportunity to sit down with some amazing, inspiring, and brilliant human beings. This week's episode with Shazi Visram has me feeling so appreciative of this platform and having a chance to sit down with her and her brilliant mind. Shazi is the amazing founder of Happy Family Organics. If you're a mom, you're probably familiar. It's a baby food company valued at over a billion dollars. They make these puffs and teething crackers, all sorts of things. And I call the teething crackers my secret weapon. So if any mom ever just needs to have these on hand, highly recommend keeping them in your diaper bag. If I'm driving and Soli's crying in the back, I throw her a cracker and she is so happy instantly. And best of all, they dissolve. So I'm not worried about her choking on them. I guess they're super soothing and yeah, they actually taste good too. I have tried them. Anyway, Shazi's latest venture is called Healthy Baby and it's a brand focused on the healthy, safe development of a baby's brain and body. So much of a baby's development is contingent on their environment, what they're breathing, what they're wearing, what they're eating, including their diapers, which is one of the things Healthy Baby is focusing on. Shazi herself has been raising a special needs child for the last 11 years, and this has really given her an opportunity to really learn about the impact of the environment on our baby's health. With the rise of autism, she is determined to create a cleaner environment so that we can help our future generations. I left this episode feeling really inspired and excited for the change that this world can have rather than feeling paralyzed, which is a feeling that I sometimes leave with after all the fear and negative stuff that I see in the news. 
Shazi is such a problem solver, a motivator. She sees life through such a beautiful lens. And honestly, it's just contagious. Take a listen to her podcast, which I'll link below, and I'll see you back here next week. So welcome to The Truthiest Life, Shazi. I'm so excited to have you. You've clearly accomplished a lot in your life. And today I'm really excited to, of course, learn about it all, but really dive a little bit deeper because life has thrown you a lot of difficulties and (laughs) you keep on swimming, thriving, helping more and more people from a place of passion, it seems. So welcome and just super excited to have you. Ah, Thanks. I'm super excited to be here. It's fun to talk like a human being. So thank you. That is what this podcast is about. And before we hit record on this, I was just learning a little bit about what Chazzy has been up to these last few weeks. And at the time of this recording, hopefully not by the time that it goes live, during the time that we're recording this, there is a formula shortage and a lot of moms are in panic mode. A lot of dads are in panic mode and it's a really awful time. So what is your latest involvement in helping people there? Well, uh, I happen to... and. Ended up being like the de facto voice for sort of new business, bringing innovation into formula. And so I've been on the press a lot. And as I've been in the press a lot, the question comes up, what should parents do? What should they do if you need formula and you don't have it? And I realized that like, I can't move mountains, but at least with my business, we can actually pair people. And so my new business has actually created new, I mean, they're they're expensive because it's a new supply chain, but we've created a new diaper and the diaper, I say, it's sort of like the Tesla of diapers, but it's like um, as green as you can be and still have the effectiveness. And it's not for me, it's actually not about selling diapers at all. It's about the time your baby's in diapers and how to make, make that really meaningful um, because I have a child with special needs and I have one without, and I see how important that first five years are. So anyway, long story short, we sell expensive diapers, but I felt really tone deaf talking about the infant formula crisis and how 40% of the children or 50% of the babies born in our country, you know, they're born straight into the WIC program. And that means that they're low income and need government assistance to buy formula and state by state got to like different brands own different states. And so I realized that we could target the states that have the most crisis, find parents in those states who have more to give, who want to give, who are wanting help and connect them with people who need help. And so we, yeah, we're starting this kind of sharing and caring platform at Healthy Baby. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's just one thing that that's a really nice side effect of something so terrible and traumatic is that we as a country kind of see that we have to invest more in our babies and our moms and that parents actually care about each other. So it's cool to see that because it's not cool to see a baby go hungry. So that's what I've been doing. It's not cool. And I can't even, you know, imagine all the stress that new moms that are just having babies are feeling. I'm on kind of, you know, the tail end of formula. So from a personal front, you know, I feel okay. But from a global front, it's like, oh my gosh, how did we get here? And I find myself oftentimes paralyzed by the fear where you seem to be mobilized by it. Does that feel like an accurate description of how you kind of roll? Yeah, actually, it's a really good one. It kind of goes back to that primal fight or flight. I'm more of a fighter and uh, I'm a problem solver. So when I'm hit with something, if I spend too much time thinking about it, I'll get really sad and overwhelmed. Or if I spend time thinking about what to do, what to do next, 
I start coming up with solutions. So it's just the way I am because I've, I've always lived that way. I think it's because I saw my parents do it when I was little and they taught me. I believe you're the daughter of two immigrants, right? Both of your parents were immigrants. Yeah. So yeah, my mom and dad had an arranged marriage. My mom was from Pakistan. My dad was from Tanzania. And I grew up in a motel room in Alabama, watching them like figure out the motel business in Alabama. So it's, it's the whole thing is funny and weird. And my dad had an awesome sense of humor. So like when I talk about it, sometimes you will think that, oh, that sounds so sad. But actually, if someone around you has an awesome sense of humor, even the hardest shit is like, it's bearable, you know? And so, but they were just, they were just so focused on they had to make it work. It's not like they had like venture capital behind them. Like they, you know, they had to make it work so we could survive in a new country. And um, I watched them like adapt and deal with change and come up with solutions. And I watched my mom, you know, just learn how to do so many things that she didn't yet know how to do. But, you know, like we as human beings evolve quickly when we have to. I found <laughs> clearly. So you jump into action when there's a problem. I freeze. And your dad found a way to bring humor into it, which I guess probably made for better problem solving because you can kind of relax a little bit, just enough to let your brain widen and, and think outside the box. Is that accurate? I think that's right. You know, someone asked me by I was on a podcast or something yesterday or whenever it was. It feels <laughs> what like is it's 2020? All, it's all been a blur since Feb 2020, honestly. Okay. But um, they asked, oh, it was, it was for founders, actually. Um, what's the best business advice you've ever been given? I was like, well, I don't know if anyone gave me, gave me this advice, but I, I realized this, that I don't make good decisions out of fear. So when I'm in a place of fear or stress or anxiety, I don't think as clearly as when I'm relaxed and, you know, able to kind of fully assess everything. And I think we all have our own reactions. I mean, I wouldn't say you probably don't completely get paralyzed. You're probably like in protection mode and you're assessing, you know, and we all probably figure out like what it is that we need to do. What I realize is if I don't build in time into my schedule to just like kind of have ideas and be creative, I'm constantly reacting to things. And that's not my best self because it's hard to be reactive to crisis after crisis after crisis without having like a bigger picture goal in mind, you know? Having that awareness is really key. I think our brains, you know, we have the frontal cortex and the limbic portion and the frontal cortex is really good at reasoning and logic and problem solving, but the limbic, you know, kind of gets fired up when we're scared. And a lot of people aren't aware that your brains are shifting parts in those moments. And therefore you can't think as clearly, you know, that's, I'm a big fan of kind of learning about mindfulness because for my own self, when I'm able you know, like you just said, to have the wisdom to know that when fearful, I don't make the best decision allows me to be like, oh, wait a second, I'm fearful right now. I shouldn't make this decision or this choice or even attempt to problem solve. Rather, yeah. I need to have this allotted time, which I don't know how on earth you find allotted time for creativity with all that you do. But hmm. it's clearly, I think maybe the key to your success is not just scramble problem solve, problem solve, but just give yourself a minute to kind of lie back and look at it all. Well, and like, if you can somehow find a way to laugh at it all, then I think it takes you out of the limbic. You know, it's just like this last few years have been insane. I mean, just beyond like, what is monkeypox and why is it so disgusting? And like, I don't ever want to see a picture of monkeypox, but now I've seen monkeypox and I'm just, it's like, it's almost a joke, except for when you see it and it's like so terrible, you know, 
And so I I think that we have to find ways to make light of life as we live it, because like my son has autism. His autism is not just like a little touch kind of quirky and fun. It's like can be mind numbingly painful and so upsetting and he's hurting himself. And we're trying to figure out what he needs, but he can't communicate. And now he's going through puberty. And it's just like um, it's beyond upset. I mean, there's tears in my eyes, my eyes, you know, it's it's beyond upsetting. And if if in some moment of a Saturday or Sunday when Joe and I are together and now Joe is the only one who's big enough to really like be with him because all of a sudden my son got bigger than me, which is crazy because at the start of this pandemic, he was like half my size. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, you know, he can't sleep in bed with me. He's going through puberty. He's as big as me. And like his behaviors are out of control, challenging because he's missed so much. Like we all have, but like with autism, it's like, you got to stay on it and routine is everything. And so, you know, for all of our kids, like routine gives you a sense of safety, but for autism, I mean, he needs to drive home a certain way. If you turn the wrong road, it's like end of story. The day's over terrible panic, you know, bring out a Xanax in that it doesn't even work on him. Xanax doesn't even work on Zane. So, um, I was saying that we have to have a sense of humor because it just gets, it just gets to be too much. And, and like life keeps throwing these things at us. And I do think that there's something ironic about having a child with, with autism, who, when I was the founder and leader of this big organic baby food company, and I'm always talking about, you know, health and nutrition for our babies. And then I feel like to some degree, we, we not solved it, but we got to a place where now I think the majority of the market realizes that we should feed our babies organic food instead of conventionally grown food, which is pesticides and toxins. And then I'm feeling like finally, like a sense of like a little bit of success. And then my son gets diagnosed with autism. My, my dad actually got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I don't know, three months before Zane's autism diagnosis. And, you know, they call our generation, the sandwich generation, what or my, I don't know what, I, I, I don't know, I'm 45, I think. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm like 140, but <laughs> so, but they call it the sandwich generation and like Joe and I, my husband, we like, we laugh. Cause it's like, yeah, it's like, I have the shit sandwich. Like, it's just like every day I feel like we get to eat a shit sandwich and it's like, how do you joke about it when it like is a shit sandwich, but it's, it's, I don't know, at least we find every once in a while, like we both have like a competition on who can like, I'm not going to pretend right now we have a dry spell, but it's like, who can get a zinger that makes you, you know, like, just mm-hmm. like spit out what you're drinking and laugh. Mm-hmm. And to me, those are like, those are the, that's the way through because it's, it is crazy. And I feel like sometimes if, if I focus on how hard life is, I won't do anything about it. But if I just keep rolling with it, I'll just, I'll just keep uncovering rocks and doing everything I can to help Zane. And I'm just constantly pushing and fighting because, because once I slow down, I feel like I might not get up again. Yeah. You definitely do a lot of things yesterday. And obviously my life is, is very different than yours. uh, And I don't pretend to understand the daily challenges with a special needs child, but yesterday I was just kind of having a moment where I looked outside and the flowers were blooming Mm -hmm. and my husband, who's not around a lot, very busy working, traveling, speaking, doing everything. He was outside holding our baby. Mm -hmm. And I just like relaxed my shoulders and, you know, it just felt so good that moment, like that zinger moment for you, the laughter, you know, the thing that's just like, it brings it all back together. Miss, like you're going so fast. You don't know if you're going to fall apart. And then I was just like, you know what? 
not to be a, a toxic optimist or again, understand the realities of your life, but you know, life is hard, right? Like life is hundred yeah. percent hard, but it's also really, really beautiful. And I think the beautiful can kind of help balance the hard if we allow ourselves to have those moments and soak them in and allow ourselves to move out of the fear and the, the doing to just look around and just like marvel at it all. I don't know. For me, it was just one of those moments that I was like, holy F, mm-hmm. life is so hard for so many reasons. 2022, what the heck is going on? Give us a freaking break. The postpartum stuff for me, just like everything, uh, you know, it's like, know. you know what? Uh. It is hard, but it's also so beautiful. And maybe there's kind of that balance there. Anyway. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For anybody here who's unfamiliar with you, just to kind of get a timeline here, you started your business in what year? 2003. Okay. And then you had your son at what year? 2010. Okay. So he's 12? Yep. Just so people could understand the timeline. And he was diagnosed at two. So he was diagnosed about 10 years ago? I think it was April 12, 2012. So you've just been running, I imagine, a marathon since that day. What's funny too, is they, they say it's a marathon, not a sprint, but it's like, I feel like I'm sprinting a marathon, but yes, since that day. I I could imagine. I mean, it's, I know what it's this past nine months have been crazy with the newborn who, you know, she's nine months, but it's so much, it's so labor intensive. And I know that your son requires so much more of you than a 12 year old who doesn't have special needs. Right. So you're just, there are no breaks. That's what I've, I've learned. So is that what it's like for you? Yeah. But you know, it's kind of like what you said, it's like, there's, I feel like I live on this roller coaster. I don't, 
I've done, I've drawn that out. But if, if you think about like going up and down on a roller coaster, if life is linear, it's like one straight line. If you think of a roller coaster, if you pull that string, it's a lot longer. And I, I think mm. there's some blessing in the ability to have had more experience because while the lows are lower, the highs are much higher. And when I see Zane do something, it's like seeing a magical unicorn. You know, it's like I get to see him in these little happy moments that are just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And Zane is the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. So don't get me wrong. He's like the smartest, quite literally most aesthetically perfect person. And yeah, I mean, to see him suffer is, you know, beyond. And if anyone causes that suffering, I will F their ass up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but then I have a daughter who's five now and we literally, I've, I, I believe Zane was given to us to shine a light on so many issues we have with creating healthy children in our world. And I know that sounds a little bit cheesy or corny, but um, I learned so much more than I thought I knew as an organic baby food expert with Zane. It's sort of like I learned from my parents more than I could have possibly learned when I got my MBA. But when I had Zane, it's like, a, it's a, just a whole different experience. You get, you know, you realize too, I'm second guessing and trying to understand what caused this and what did I do and what were the factors. And now there's science that shows so many different factors in relationships and there's still a lot of mystery, but what are the things I could control and what are the things I can't control? And I learned so much about what we actually can do to ensure at least neurologically safer environment for our children and what we can do from the time that they're developing to create that deeper bond and that connection that kind of creates the resilience that like we're talking about that allows you later on to be that willow that bends and can deal with this shit and can go back and forth and, you know, get pummeled and still get up, you know, and come up with an idea to make it better. And I think that, I think that he's inspired so much in that, like his inflexibility has taught me the importance of flexibility and how to instill that in Asha, you know, his difficulty detoxing from a cellular level has shown me how important it is biologically to create a toxic free environment for Asha. And so, I don't know, I'm that kind of person. You, you learn something, you see it work in your own life. You know, Asha's like this little scary, weird genius. And, and she's funny too. She's actually working on a stand-up routine for her talent show next year. (laughs) So, and, and, you know, it's like, she, you see that it worked. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say, I mean, in our little end of one study, everything we did to have another child, I mean, they could be there for Zane. It worked. And then, and then you see it and you want to share. That's what keeps you going. Cause like, why not share? Cause if the autism rate is one in 44, and one in six children have a developmental disorder or delay diagnosis. Shouldn't we be sharing? So we know that autism is on the rise. It's not just your problem at home in your family. It And I apologize if the word problem, it, it's not my intent to use that word negatively, but no, the, acknowledge, the acknowledgement that the rates are on the rise and you know it's not happening in my home as I know it, you know, so it's not just your problem. It, it is a a a global problem that we need to look at. Why, in your opinion or research, I know you speak to a lot of experts on your own podcast, why is it on the rise? Is there something that we are doing? What is the role of environment? Or are we born with it and it just expresses itself? Well, I mean, I'm not the person to answer that as much as I want to. I can tell you some of the things that I have insights towards. One is 
this is commonly now being agreed upon because there's always this question, is it genetics or is it the environment? And if you look at the rates and if you say, well, some people say, oh, it's being diagnosed more. I don't know. I remember growing up in Alabama and I, I don't remember anybody with autism personally. And I have a good radar now like I, and I have a really good memory, but one in 44 is kind of a lot. So that means like 2%, probably like three or 4% of boys you'd know. I don't remember that. Right. And so genetics don't evolve that quickly and the environment has changed pretty radically. And so even if we have a genetic under underpinning, let's say we do, I think we do. The thing that everyone agrees on is that genetics loads the gun and the environment pulls the trigger. And today's environment is increasingly more toxic in every way, including stress. So I think that there's something to that. Um, and then I think biologically, we as human beings don't live the life we used to live that was more in nature. And we don't get as much exercise. We're not as, I think we're, a lot of us are very depleted from a vitamin and mineral standpoint. We don't eat great diets. And then we go into creating new life as a mom, like you're, you're building a baby. And, you know, it's, I think that there are things that we can do to ensure healthy development does take place and that we're, our bodies are ready to reproduce. And that, you know, there's just, there's a lot that's happening. Like there's just, there are too many stats to throw at you. So I, I just think we have to improve everything that we can in within reason without stressing ourselves out. So when you say the word environment, you're not just talking about the air we breathe. It, you're talking about the food that we eat, the diapers that our kids wear, you know, everything around us. Is that correct when you say environment? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the way the brain works, it really responds to what is in, in the, your environment. And that doesn't mean just biologically uh, what's in the air. It's also how much love are you getting? How safe do you feel? How secure are you? And when you're safe and secure from an environmental standpoint, then you're able to learn. And you mentioned a good word, you know, not going crazy with it all because we can't keep a perfectly clean environment unless we want to, you know, never leave our house. And even then furniture and this, like everything, you know, off gases, there's just so much. And I certainly, as I've become a mom, have become more conscious of it, but at the same time, balancing it with my previously, you know, I've, I've struggled with OCD a little bit in the past. So kind of just noticing when that's coming up in your own home, what are your top three clean environment, non-negotiables? And like you said, it doesn't just have to be something visible. It could be, you know, love or touch, like, please feel free to include just your three non-negotiable clean environment things in your home. Okay. Well, I mean, clean water is like a, it's like a non-negotiable. Do you have a filter? What do you guys yeah. do? We have a triple filter reverse osmosis water filter that then alkalinizes the water and adds back minerals. So yeah, I'm like a freak about it. But if you go to ewg.org, you can type in your zip code and see the water quality of your local water. And then you can, they'll help you choose a filter to ensure that you have healthy water in your house. Cause I mean, we all have a, a human right to healthy water. And then, and we don't realize actually in the U S that a lot of the water around us is not as great as we think. Mm -hmm. So water and clean air is a must. So we actually test, I test all the time. Zane's really sensitive. And so we have air purifiers in every room and then I have plants in almost every room. And then every time you can open your doors to let air in, cause actually a lot of, it's actually, I, there's a study that shows that, that our 
the air inside our homes is more toxic than outside. Oh, great. Great. Sorry. Sorry to drop that on you. I just open the windows every once in a while and get some plants. That's all. And then, um, I'm sorry. Do you like air purifiers as well? We have literally, we have like some rooms have two. (laughs) You can't get too clean when it comes to air or water. And then, um, you know, we eat organically, especially the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. That's kind of also no, no brainer for us. And that means that the clean 15 are the 12 or the 15 fruits and vegetables that have the least amount of toxins and, um, in them. And the dirty dozen actually are the 12 that have probably 85% of the toxins, pesticides, chemicals in food are in the dirty dozen. And you can get that from the EWG where if you're choosing what to spend money on, um, definitely buy the dirty dozen organically. So those are probably my three, but then I, I would add, I would add just like, I like to have music playing. I like it to be a, a nice, fun environment. It's easy to overly sterilize everything. It's nice to come in and smell something baking. It's nice to have music in the background always, because I, I think otherwise it just starts, you know, you lose like the flavor of life. And when we're focused on like cleaning up everything all the time, sometimes we take everything away. So true. I think music has been one of mine that I need to add back in. I think with the pandemic, spending so much time at home where I don't usually listen to music as much as in the car or going somewhere or workout class or whatever, like, or even going out to dinner, you know, where music would play. It really does add the the flavor of life. I like how you put that. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Juan Gabriel, Juan Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Harold G, La Bichota, Christina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story from rags to riches and all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'd love if, if you would be willing to kind of just speak about like the day-to-day realities of what it's like to be the caretaker for your son. I know that you were or are co-sleeping. Is that still going on? We're sleep training. I mean, I, I want to be clear too. We have like, we have a, have a village of support because there's no way to do it without. And my husband is full-time on the family. So yeah, it's, I'll tell you what happened this morning. It was like four in the morning. Joe is sleeping in the room with Zane, Zane bolts. So there are times where he's been. So when you talk about fight or flight, it's very real with that. It's very literal. And so uh, we actually have to put a lock on his room door. And now Joe sleeps in his room with him. But before Zane used to sleep literally with me ever since he was born. I mean, the first two and a half years of life for him I was so busy and just, I was running one of the fastest growing companies around. And so I slept with him at night and, you know, breastfeed and his, like, that was like our special time together. And then he got diagnosed with autism and it just felt like he needed more security. And so we kept him in the bed and then it just became this part of his routine, which made it really hard for me to travel or go anywhere. He gets really upset, you know, and, uh, and so we've had to create flexibility for him. But then when times get really tough, I just, I want him to have a rock. And so for the longest time I was that, and he would actually sleep with his hand on my stomach and he would put his finger on my belly button. And so there's nothing more primal than that connection. hundred mm-hmm. <laughs> percent. But, you know, all of a sudden like puberty happened and like, that's not okay. And so like sweet little guy is like trying to touch everybody's belly button. And it's not like he's like a sexual deviant. He just is like looking for love because he can't sleep with me anymore. And so, but like four o'clock this morning, he somehow escapes the, I think Joe forgot to lock, lock them in. And he comes to me and I'm with Asha who also, she, I don't, she woke up at two and she had a nightmare. So, and then once I wake up, I don't go back to, I barely sleep. So yeah, I, you know, I, I'm like, most nights with at least one or both of my kids. And it's hard because, you know, someone, someone might say, oh, you can, you know, just get them to a point where you leave them alone in the room. And I, you actually, we can't do that. So we can never leave. Zane's got 24 seven, someone with him. And a few times there have been moments where I've been with Asha and she's five and she'll like take herself to the bathroom in a restaurant. And I'm like, oh my God, Joe and I look at each other and are like, holy shit. Like we've never been able to do that. Like with Zane. And it's, um, it's exhaust. It's like super exhausting. So we need a lot of help and a lot of support, but we can train. We're doing sleep training and we have this whole night routine. And here's another example of like, I'm watching Zane learn a night routine that actually helps me because it makes him unwind. He sits in, he has this like sauna. So he sits in the sauna he takes a shower. We do a salt bath. We listen to nice music. We read a book and then he falls asleep. And that's like good for all of us. But like, I'm a freak that would never do that. And now all of a sudden I'm learning from my son with autism, how to be because I've been forced to find a way to help him. I know you've been a a lifelong insomniac. I believe I, I read that (laughs) about you and it it felt like me before I, I learned how to sleep and same with my daughter, you know, now having this nighttime routine is just, is so, so, so important. I just can't imagine how tired you are, but it seems like you don't really need a lot of sleep might be your superpower or you're just unsleep trained in the sense you just, your body can, is, has been doing it for so long. I honestly I sleep between like 6.30 AM and 10 AM. That's like when I finally fall asleep. 
because then I know they're both awake Mm -hmm. and getting ready for school and like, they don't need me. And that's the time that I can just shut, shut off. And then, but, um, so I'm usually not, I'm usually not an early morning person. Yeah. No, me neither. Whenever you see me do anything early in the morning, it means I never closed my eyes the night before. Cause yeah. I, I, I can't, I just want to finally fall asleep. It's really hard to wake up. Yeah. One of the unexpected things of motherhood too, is like the biological wiring to make sure that they're okay in the night. Yeah. And then I assume your childcare comes during the day. So you know, you feel safe with them. You could take a step back and I'm kind of in a similar situation. <laughs> so I totally understand that. It's nice to kind of hear somebody so successful like you running businesses and your day just looks very different based on everything else that needs to happen. We reschedule this so many times. Do you know why? Like it's a million things happening, but like if I didn't sleep at all the night before and I had two or three things in the morning, then we usually have to move them around. I feel good at the end of the day when I've done like 10 things. I don't, I just don't feel as good if I had just, a, just an easy breezy day. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I you're conditioned, right? I think my parents screwed me up because I think immigrants make you like train their kids on how to work and never feel like I'd always get, feel scared that you don't have enough and that like that you have to keep working and working and working. And I think that can be a really good thing. And my parents were really social minded. They love to give back to the community. So together, those things made me a really good, productive person. They never showed me how to slow down and relax. Because they couldn't. <laughs> they did. But the only way I know is the way my dad would make jokes here and there, because it just keep the whole thing rolling. Well, it sounds like your son is kind of showing you how to slow down too, which will be the thing that saves you in the end as well. So like you said, we just keep learning from each other. We'll see. He's kind of naughty too. He's got this like mischievous little glint. So we'll see. <laughs> but it, um, I mean, it's fun. You're going to have so much fun. Nine months is like the beginning, like the next few years, you're just going to, every other day is going to be like, yeah, you're going to have some stuff that happens that are hopefully is not life altering, but the moments you get are so special. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I feel terrible for parents right now because I can imagine new pa- new parents thinking like, should I bring new life into this world? It's a lot of that going on. I mean, I can imagine. And I've had these conversations. And to me, the answer is like always yes, because it's like the most rewarding thing you can do. It's so sweet. It's so wonderful. It's so great to procreate and see new life. You know, I, I know that we can solve the problems of the world. I know we can, as long as we're connected and, you know, and oriented in the right direction. And I think that that's, we need new babies to be able to do that. Would you ever run for president? (laughs) No, (laughs) I was born in, I was born in Canada. So that's off the table. You'd really have a great way of solving problems, but doing so in a non-divisive way, which you know, you bring humor to it and your brain is always going. So I do think you'd make a great president if you could ever legally do that. That's, that's very kind of you. I think you you should, you should run and I can oh, be your. Um, yes. No, thank you. I actually need sleep unlike you. So it's not a good um, job for me, but. Well, let's see. I always say if I, if I slept like a normal person and exercised like a normal person, it wouldn't be fair to everyone else. And then it just, right. it just wouldn't be right. So I, you know. <laughs> I have to be humbled this way. Because, of course. Yeah. So you have no time for yourself, essentially. Well, what am I supposed to do? That? 
<laughs> well, I know that you have something <laughs> called blue sky time that I've read that you that you take for yourself. What is blue sky time? Blue sky time is time for myself. It's like just time to have ideas and like write down notes and think about what I want to do and think about like I just come up with weird stuff like, you know, on my birthday next year, what are eight things I want to have accomplished? You just come up with random things on the fly. Just, and, then, and then, but then, you, but you know, when you do that, you intentionally or unintentionally, but with not too much seriousness, set a goal for yourself. And then when you set goals, you just orient yourself to make, make progress. And then when you make progress, you celebrate. I don't know. I think that's, I think that's fun. And I, I also think, you know, when we all have a bunch of, we have a bunch of challenging problems to solve. And when you have blue sky time and you can say, what are the things I I want to focus on. What are things I don't, what am I going to say no to? I need to have like a trigger response. That's like, no, next time, like, I don't want to do something or like, I, you know, how many things can I say yes to? And at some point I have an obligation to say no. And I think writing down what your no's are kind of important for me because I, I've in the past been sucked into saying yes to everything. And clearly I just can't. hundred percent. So blue sky time, is just you getting kind of clarity around what you can do, what you can't do and what I want to do. What do you want to do? Good, good word. But having that, I like that trigger response. That's a great way to kind of put it because it's so primed in your brain to already say yes, but then you've taken time to prime to flex that no, which can be much more difficult. Why do you call it blue sky time? Uh, Because I'm an optimist, you know, I think the whole point is like, what can I do to make life better? So you came up with this term. I don't know if I did or if I heard it when I was little, but I've definitely um, co-opted it as mine. Okay. <laughs> it's whatever it is, is mine. And So you've been doing blue sky time since your, your whole life? I mean, I remember being like in high school and having insomnia and like reorganizing my closet and thinking about like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a freak. I enrolled myself into boarding school. <laughs> Ooh, where'd you go? I went to the school in Alabama called Indian Springs. So you left your hotel motel living that your parents were running to go live in a boarding school. Is it like that? We well, they we bought a house. I think when I turned ten, so I did live in an actual house for okay. a couple of years, um, and then uh, I went to a few different kind, types of schools. And I think seventh grade was my only year that I went to a public school in Alabama, and uh, I realized I wanted to like challenge myself, and so I found a boarding school that was supposed to be for. For smart kids. And I, I decided that I, I told my parents that I'm going to boarding school and they were just like a little bit shocked, but um, yeah, I enrolled and it was, it was great. I'm glad I did it. You're glad you did it. <laughs> but they certainly weren't looking for it. I mean, you know, it's, I don't think they had the bandwidth. Or... Of course. So this new podcast of yours, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it's called the healthy baby show. And ultimately it's everything I've ever learned about um, what it takes to make a healthy human being. And a lot of it is driven by conversations with insanely inaccessible experts in the field that I've found to be amazingly genius. And then they're just not there for everybody. And I thought if I had them for my support for Zane or for Asha or for whatever the case might be, some problem I was solving and I use them as an expert resource, wouldn't it be nice to, to share that with everyone? 
so we can all have access to the very, very best. And so, um, yeah, it's called the healthy baby show. I think it's good. I, you know, I've never done a podcast, but I think it's pretty good. I think you're likable and you have a really great way of talking about really scientific things, whether it's about food and nutrition or autism and science and epigenetics and all of that and translating that to people so that they can move out of what we talked in the beginning, you know, that fear mode into action, whether that's what food to buy or something else, you know, and I think that's definitely what the world needs, especially when it comes to baby raising, because it's so easy to find yourself frozen. Jesus. Yeah. It's too, there's so much. I mean, I, I hope I'm not adding to the clutter. My whole purpose was to cut the clutter and get, just get to the point. But um, yeah, there's well, just so much. I've gotten to listen to your podcast. And I, I think that you do, like I said, you know, the way you interact with people and just hopefully people could hear your voice on this podcast. Now you speak from a very humbled place, despite the huge success that you've had business-wise and also just from life experience, you've had a lot of life experience in different things. And yet you come from a place of like, I get it. I've been there, even though I have a lot because of my success, I'm here to help others. And it's really nice to kind of see you in action. I'm personally inspired by you and also learning from you. So I'm thankful. And we'll of course mm -hmm. link your podcast below so people can learn more about you and the experts that you're bringing on. Well, that makes me, makes me happy to hear you say that. I, I felt like very compelled to do it, but I honestly don't, you know, you put yourself out there. You don't know what people are going to think. Well, it's not your first time putting yourself out there. You know, when you make your, your, your yeah. food company, you're, out there, you're up for review and people to like you or not like you and all of that. Or is it, it's not a personal thing for you? It's, I don't, I don't know. It's just, you know, you, well, the whole point of your show, right? It's like just being vulnerable and letting people see. I don't know. My daughter's really funny. She said yesterday, I was kind of making, she made a thing at that build a bear as a platypus. And I was pretending to be like the platypus saying, Asha, I really love you so much. And thank goodness you made me because I wouldn't be alive. And you. Oh. You made me and now I have you and I love you so much. And she said, I know. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you know? She's As like, the platypus. You're still the platypus, yeah, she, right? Exactly. She goes, well, because anybody who knows me well loves me. <laughs> it's just like, I was like, you little, <laughs> you little confident little being. <laughs> she's so funny. I'm like, I love that she's so confident. Like, Well, didn't your parents raise you to be confident too? Would you say that they had a role in, in your confidence? Oh my God. My dad used to tell me at least every week that I'm a lion. Like, how does that change you? Well, I think we're looking at it. Like, do you hear that in your head a lot? Yeah. And if I ever ever feeling like, I need to pump up. My husband will be like, Shaz, you remember who you are. You're a lion. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a fucking lion. It's amazing. I'm like a lion with a herniated disc. But I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, you have to get to your chiropractor. So we will wrap up, but it's just to say that I think the way we speak to our children is so important. And I grew up in a home too, where, you know, I, I know a lot of people don't grow up in a home where they are applauded or, you know, told that they can do anything. And I think that it is really important that our next generation hears that because it's clear how that 
you know, moved into you and now it's moving into your daughter, Asha. And how amazing is it to hear women speak confidently and just we clap, right? Like we used to call that being conceited. And Mm -hmm. now we're like, no, that's just being a human being and liking who you are, which is a positive thing. (laughs) So cool. It makes you capable. I mean, that's it. That's exciting. That's why, that's why you got to keep rolling and making things happen. Because if you don't, then what are you going to celebrate on your birthday? Except being a year older. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate everything you're doing in this world. My daughter loves the crackers that you created. Oh, good. Oh, the teething they're, crackers. They're, they are. Put, try them with sunflower butter. I did peanut butter yesterday, but I'll oh, do sunflower really? butter. Sunflower yeah. butter and honey and those crackers. It's oh. like super yumbo. It's just uh, like genius to get to, to can make her like a little avocado toast or just a vehicle for that, especially because, by the way, they're the emergency button in my house. Like if she's the crying, teethers. the teethers. Yeah. Once I was driving in Florida and there was nobody else with me because I was by myself and uh, she was crying. I handed her a cracker and I sold myself a solid 20 minutes. And I was like, thank you. I know the teethers and the puffs to some degree, they, they buy you, they buy you time. But they, they also do. are teaching fine motor skills and accomplishing other things. But um, but yeah, they're they're yes. a lifesaver. I I like them too. Just yes, snack. that's true. <laughs> but it, it is fascinating <laughs> to see like her hands hold them and pick up the little things. Oh, yeah, it's so, so cute. We'll link it's that below deal. too. It is a big deal to see the little pincer grasp. I think it's called. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a developmental milestone. My son is twelve and still has a hard time holding a pencil. He is very motivated to pick up a puff. He still likes puffs. So. Um, <laughs> I love pups too. Yeah. Well, I, I will let you go. Uh, maybe next time you can be on my podcast and we can talk about how, what your first year was like. I would love to do that. Thanks so much for being a guest and for all you do in this world. We'll link all of Shazi's information below so you can follow along, listen to her podcast and check out all the amazing things that she's doing. Uh, thank you so much. And we'll see you soon. It was fun. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care and we'll see you there.